You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Actually, it's the it's the lead play in our in our offense. Tell the What's up, guys? Welcome into Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can uh, uh, email us at Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us at 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside the great Paul Brettle from Packers Wire and Dairyland Express. Paul, how you been doing coming off this big win here with the Chiefs, man? Hey, I'm excellent. Packers are rolling. Happy to talk about it. Uh, it's it's a lot easier to talk about it right now, isn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll tell you, we made it through some uh, some dark times, and I know some of the 80s, 70s and 80s fans are sitting there going, whatever, what are you talking about, dark times? <laughs> but I uh, wanted to kind of start off, Paul, with uh, getting your take um, on the Chiefs game. You know, we hadn't got a chance to talk yet. I'm sure you were just as excited as we were. Um, I, I love to always try to ask you, hey, what was the press box like? Was there any shouting up there? But you you always just tote the company line and say it was very professional, so we're going to skip right by that. Um, what was your takeaway from the Chiefs game, man? Uh, I mean, what stood out to me the most on offense, and there is obviously a number of things that we could talk about, but the the versatility that this team has was on full display. And thinking back to training camp, one of the – aspects that stood out to me between the the tight ends being able to play in line slot I mean we've seen throughout the season Musgrave and Kraft are playing out wide as well we know AJ Dillon uh, Aaron Jones in the run game Aaron Jones specifically will line up in the slot sometimes out wide the receivers you know they'll move around from one side of the formation to the other inside out so just thinking back to training camp I remember having that thought of man there just feels like there's endless combinations possibilities for what Matt LaFleur can do with these guys. And we saw quite a bit of that on display uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs from just the variety of personnel groupings they use to the number of formations, the motion that they used. I I saw a stat, um, I I can't remember where it was from, but I think it was like 61% of the Packers snaps were uh, had motion involved within it. Um, so again, it was just obviously a huge aspect of it. And again, you see that that versatility that this offense possesses on full display. And I know I've I probably mentioned it previously, but that illusion of complexity. It's the 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 buzzword I go back to because Matt LaFleur used it a ton when he first got here. Like that's what that is. That's what that what we saw on Sunday personifies. You know, and in short, how Matt LaFleur has defined that in the past is it's being able to run a wide variety of plays from just a few personnel groupings. So you're able to create mismatches with that and also running 
plays that look similar kind of out the gate or maybe what you do pre-snap, but end up quite different. And again, keeping the defense off balance. So we saw that element of the Fleur offense, you know, truly on display. All of that motion that they utilized was really, uh, uh, <laughs> that's a great like uh, but all that that motion, <laughs> all that motion that they utilized, you know, that helped negate some of the or take away some of the bite from the Kansas City pressures. We talked about that last week. Six highest uh, blitz rate in football, but when you're moving guys around the formation as frequently as the Packers were, and it wasn't always just you know one guy moving from one side to the other. You know, Wicks went back and forth on a couple different snaps. You know, prior to the ball being hiked, there was a number there. There was again a concerted effort to get. Uh, design touches behind the line of scrimmage for Reed, for Christian Watson. And those elements take away some of the bite from a team that's as heavy blitzing as the Kansas City Chiefs are. So I thought from Lafleur's perspective in terms of what he dialed up, the you know the eye candy, the chaos confusion that he caused before the balls even snapped, I thought was excellently done. And going to his, his post-game press conference, you know, and being asked about you know, that, that element, you know, a lot of it comes down to just the trust that has been built up with Jordan Love, with the receivers, with the young tight ends to be able to go out there and execute on that. Cause it's obviously easy to say that, you know, why don't we just do that earlier in the season? Why wasn't that a bigger part of what this offense was during the four game losing streak when things were struggling? You know, those are added responsibilities. And as we know, early on in the season, a lot of these guys weren't executing on their job description duties. You know, like the things that you have to do each snap in order for the play to be effective. So if you're not if you're not effective, if you're not consistent in handling your your basic and a quote unquote, you know, lack of a better term, basic job responsibilities, a coach isn't going to all of a sudden add more to your plate and say, "All right, go do this now too and this." Like you kind of got to check some boxes. And I feel that especially over this last month as this offense has progressed, and Jaden Reed, Christian Watson, all of these guys are better handling what their, you know, specific duties are. All right, let's add a little bit more to your plate, a little bit more to your plate. And that's something that Stanovich, Lafleur, all talked about during training camp in terms of how do you um, manage a playbook with such a young offense. First, you got to, you know, implement the basics. You figure out what they can do, what they're really good at. You try to put them in those situations. And once they show that they can handle those responsibilities, you add more to their plate. And I feel like on Sunday, that's what we saw. That was the true versatility that this offense possesses on display. And be, it's in part because of their growth, or it's definitely in part of their growth. And just the trust that Matt LaFleur has in this group right now to know that they're going to go out there and execute it properly. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, man. Uh, for those of you on the pod, if you're wondering what me and Paul were giggling at here, like a couple of couple of buffoons, <laughs> uh, Paul Robertson in the chat said, my versatility is on full display when I'm at the buffet. Um, I relate to that. I'm just, I'm just being honest. You guys see me say very relatable. Yeah, Mandy threw a, a little charcuterie, a little, a little kickoff charcuterie board together for me. So I'm gonna be munching it. This, if you're expecting professionalism on this particular program, you're in the wrong place. Other than when Paul's here for a few minutes. So um, let's see here. Chris Ham with the super chat. Appreciate you, buddy. He says, "What's up, Packers Nation? Huge go pack go! Hey, thanks for hanging out with us, Paul. Let me ask you about the injuries, man." Um, you know, I know there's been a lot of news kind of break today. I don't think uh, – I know at least when I finished kind of prepping for the show, I hadn't seen the 
the exact injury report, if you will, although I don't even know if it should release today, right? It's probably already dropped, yeah. I imagine, here recently. But I know some details came out on, like, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson. What stood out to you on the injury front um, right off the bat? Yeah, so big one, Aaron Jones is back practicing in a limited fashion. Uh, and I do – like if we're trying to read the timeline and obviously things can change throughout the course of this injury, but after that chargers game, when Jones suffered the injury, you know, Matt LaFleur said that IR wasn't, you know, they didn't think they would have to place him on IR. Obviously they didn't. And as we know, if a player is on IR, he has to miss four games. So this would be, this would be the third game that he would have to be out. So I think this would be perhaps the first opportunity for him to be back out there. However, Based on how they've brought him along before, I'm going to guess that this might be a ramp-up week, and then the following week might be when we see him out there. And again, that's just me, total guesswork on this, but obviously good news that he's back out there, at least in some capacity. So we'll see how he trends Friday and Saturday. Uh, other interesting note, Eric Stokes, still on IR, but he was a full participant. You know, Darnell Savage came off of injured reserve last week, and he was a full participant in all three practices. So something to watch this week to see if Eric Stokes – uh, dealing with that hamstring injury, gets back out on the field on Monday night. And keep in mind, as the Packers did the first time against Denver, like his his only responsibilities were on special teams in order to work him back in. Because remember, he hasn't really played a full full game or close to it since week nine of last season. Like this injury set him back from that original return from the big injury that he suffered. So I don't see them changing course or all of a sudden Eric Stokes is going to be you know, out on the field, you know, for defensive snaps, or I can't imagine at least that many, I think his primary role is going to continue to be on special teams. Uh, another big one at linebacker, uh, Quay Walker did not practice. Ooh. All we know right now is Matt LaFleur said that was an injury that he did sustain uh, during Sunday's game. So something to keep our eyes on moving forward. And that linebacker combo of him and Devondre Campbell, unfortunately just haven't been able to play too many snaps together this season. Uh, Eric Wilson, Isaiah McDuffie, as we know, have been able to fill in well. And then Christian Watson did not practice either. Uh, Watson said in the locker room, I think you alluded to it, Clayton, that he doesn't think that this, this hamstring injury is, uh, in terms of time that he's going to be out is going to keep him out like the last one, which was three games that he missed, but there's still, you know, that's still up in the air at this point. He did, uh, doesn't sound like he expects to be out there for Monday night though. So Packers perhaps are likely are going to be without Christian Watson at that point. So I would say those are the big ones on the list. You know, Devondre Campbell was a limited participant, but coming off an injury, you know, Rashawn Gary, Elton Jenkins, they've been listed previously. So the ones that we went through and then Jair Alexander, a limited participant. Again, I'll be honest. I, I don't know what to expect from him. Uh, if, <laughs> right. if he's going to be available or not, I thought if there was, if he was going to be back, I thought that last week might be that time. Um, and that didn't happen as he's working his way through that shoulder injury. So we'll just have to continue to keep our eyes on that one as well. Gotcha. Yeah. It's been kind of a hit or miss there with, with Jair. And I know I heard Jason Wildy and Mark Towser talking about it earlier today. They kind of feel like, there may be a little something there behind the scenes going on just, you know, other than the injury. It was, you know, kind of just kind of taking a shot in the dark there. We don't want to create any kind of rumors, but I, I thought that was an interesting comment there. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of odd. It, it, it felt like last week, hey, it looks like we're going to get Jair back, and then last second he wasn't there. So um, that's the that's the name of the game, though, when you get into December football, right? I mean, it's a, it's a mm -hmm. tough sport. So uh, when we go into, uh, you know, into Giants Stadium there, or MetLife Stadium, whatever you want to call it, uh, on Monday night, Paul, 
I mean, for a six and six team, I don't, I don't know if you can think of a, a better definition of a trap game, right? I mean, this is one of the teams that's playing the worst. Their, their front seven has been bad with Lawrence out of the lineup, obviously. Um, you know, quarterback right now, it, it was a bit of a carousel once, uh, you know, once uh, Daniel Jones went down with the injury. At the same time, in any given Sunday, right? So uh, let's just start off on the offensive side of the ball. What do you think the keys to beating the Giants are on the offensive side of the ball come Monday night, on, on Monday night football there in New York? You know, I'm, I'm going to go down a path here of talking about the run game. And that, I mean, we can always say that's a key, but reason I want to discuss it is because I, I want to see this offense continue to build upon the success that they've had. Like this run game has been much improved over the last month compared to what it was, but there's still room to go as well. It's not as if they're ripping off, you know, these 10, 12, 14 yard runs consistently either. There's room for growth in that category. But reason outside of that, you know, for the game specifically, the Giants are allowing 4.8 yards per rush this season. That ranks 30th in the NFL. Teams have been able to run on their defense. And I think that Chiefs game is a prime example of uh, the, you know, what the trickle down effect of the run game can do for the Packers offense. Again, even if it's not these huge chunk gains, AJ Dillon, I think averaged like 4.1, 4.2 yards per rush, but it keeps them out of those, you know, dangerous second and third and long situations, it sets up play action. I wrote about this over at Packers Wire. Jordan Love the last month has been just lights out off of play action. He leads the NFL in total yards over the last five games off of play action. I believe he's top five in uh, completion percentage off of play action. Like he's, he's averaging almost 10 yards per attempt off of play action. Like he's just been super, super effective, super, super consistent. And so having that run game element obviously helps set up those opportunities for that just opens up opportunities in general for the passing game. And as we look at, you know, one of the strengths of where this giants defense is, you know, it's, it's Kayvon Thibodeau, that opportunity for him to get after. I think he has 11 sacks this season already and he primarily lines up at left tackle so that's going to be Rashid Walker that's going to be Yash Nyman if they continue on with that rotation so having that run game to lean on I I asked Delton Jenkins about that after the game you know we we talk about what it does for the quarterback those tears but I said what does that do for the offensive line when you guys are able to move guys when you guys are having that success he said one where's the defense down as we all know but it takes away some of their bite from those pass rush opportunities. If the defense can't just, you know, third and 10, no passes come and pin its ears back. There's a little bit of, you know, that split second of identifying, I may use hesitation for lack of a better term. And obviously that benefits the offensive line. So just a massive trickle down effect to the rest of this offense. So on the offensive side of the ball, giants have struggled to stop the run this season. Packers are slowly gaining some momentum in that category. I want to see them be able to continue to do that because if they can, as we've seen from Jordan Love, this receivers in the last couple of weeks, I think the opportunity is going to be there then for them in the passing game. Got it. Got it. Yeah. You know, Thibodeau, obviously a high round pick there. Uh, you, they're, they're looking to see him kind of be that edge rusher of the future. I'm so glad we got Aris Paul. Um, my goodness, having Rashawn Gary out there and what they're doing, just creating pressures just across the whole front. You can tell that Goody has built this defense kind of with the intent of, look, we're going to get after the passer first and foremost. Mm-hmm. We'll worry, worry about the run second. Um, I think at times, I think there's probably a little bit in LaFleur going, I wish we wouldn't have went that far in that direction. But um, in games like that with the Chiefs where they just can't help but pass more than they run, 
man, it really played mm-hmm. right into the Packers' defensive strength. And and on that note, uh, going into New York, what do you think the keys will be on defense? You know, you mentioned uh, Quay Walker had an injury pop up. It's been kind of this steady rotation of guys, you know, with Jair being out consistently, although the young guys are kind of creating a little bit of continuity, obviously, there in the secondary. Um, we're going to get after the passer. There's no doubt about that. But what do you think might be the keys to victory there against the Giants? Uh, whether we're winning or losing, what, what do you think globally we're looking at there? So the big thing that's going to have my attention is how does Joe Barry come out and defend this Giants defense? Because this this game, this opponent, you know, it, it could to me if you know the proper adjustments aren't made, could go down similarly to the Steelers game, where you know the the plan in that game should have been all right. We got to take away the run. If Kenny Pickett beats us over the top, hits a few shots, you know, I guess you tip your hat and you say, "Hey, nice throw." I want to see the and obviously the Packers they they didn't take that approach nearly as much as in that game, but I want to see them if they make that shift, if they go more all in towards the. We need to try to slow down Saquon Barkley, uh, force this Giants uh, pass offense into those obvious passing downs. As you mentioned, Clayton, their their pass protection unit has really struggled to keep Tommy DeVito clean while he's been under center. But you want to put the game, I know he's had some, he's definitely had some impressive moments, but you want to put the game on his arm. You know, this is a run defense that's shown that they can still be ripped apart this season. I think three games of 200 plus yards. You know, Saquon Barkley at this point in his career still has that ability to do that to opponents. So for me, I want to see that adjustment from Joe Barry. I want to see them with a true effort to say, this is what we're coming into the game to take away. Because I think if you can do that, if you can limit that, you know, again, you're going to have the opportunity to get after the quarterback. You know, you you trust your guys in the secondary to hold up, to do their jobs enough to where the Giants, even if they do, you know, and they have some receivers too, but even if they do connect on a big player, you know, two or three throughout the course of the game, that they're not going to be able to do that consistently from obvious passing situations where they're going to put up a ton of points on you. To me, that's the, that's the game I would want to play rather than, all right, let's hang back. Let's protect against the big pass. And then you're, you're, you're a man short in the gaps up front. There's opportunities in the quick passing game to pick up open space yards after the catch, like be the aggressor in this situation. And to, as I do on the show, as to take some of that burden off of Joe Barry, Matt LaFleur again said on uh, a Sunday after the game that, because again, Isaiah Pacheco obviously found success on the ground. He goes, you know, we were out there and you could see it from the press box you know, we were out there in cover one. It's not as if they always sit back in this cover two and there were assignments, there were gaps being missed. Like these are still fundamental issues that this defensive front is experiencing. And a product of it is, you know, we talk about the youth on offense, but you got two day three rookies who are playing, you know, close to starting level snaps along yeah. your along your defensive front. You know, you've had <clears throat> rotations because of injuries at the linebacker position where Isaiah McDuffie has absolutely filled in well, you know, Eric Wilson, when called upon has too, but like those are not, you know, experienced players and they do, there are things that are being missed in that capacity. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. I want to see that more aggressive approach from Joe Barry to limit the run game, but the players too have to be more sound in what their assignments are. And Jerry Montgomery spoke to us today 
And he said this the last two times he's been at the podium, what they're missing along that defensive front is when, and the offense was missing this for a long portion too. When a guy makes a mistake, there isn't that other player to help cover it up. Right. Like they, they just don't have that along their front seven right now. And so when a mistake's made, the mistake is made and they've been getting gashed for it. So players obviously have to be more fundamentally assignment sound. I want to see a more aggressive defense from Joe Barry. He's shown, you know, even this season that he'll make those adjustments after that Lions game, you know, where they where they lost, gave up the huge yardage, went into the Raiders game that next week. Like even with Devontae Adams on the opposite sidelines, like, but you're going up against Jimmy Garoppolo, uses a lot of short area throws. Like we saw him condense the field to you know, try to limit the Raiders in that capacity and limit the run game. So he's shown that he can do it. I want to see him do it in this one as well. And one other topic, while we're on the defensive side of the ball, we're talking about the pass rush, Preston Smith. He's been flying under the radar this season in terms of, you know, his contributions, his production. And I just wanted to give a quick little, little story. I asked Jason Rebervich, the, the edge rushers coach today. I said, you know, from the outside outside perspective we always hear about Rashawn Gary we always hear about Lucas Van Ness but Preston Smith's having a heck of a season what have you seen from what have you seen from Preston and in short he went on for it was probably a good two minutes that he sent sat and answered that question and about 80 90 percent of it was just talking about Preston Smith's leadership what he brings to that room what he brings on the field and he Rebovich barely even talked about from the production standpoint, from the play standpoint, obviously that stuff's coming, but he just went on and on and on about his, his, his ability as a leader. And he goes, you know, he's been in the league nine years, which I think, I guess I'll speak for myself. I feel like we may forget about sometimes, but he is, and he is very much a a veteran. Uh, Rebovich said, you know, the guys in that position group lean on him, look to him. And, and he goes, Hey, sometimes I do as well. He's got the experience. So I just wanted to throw that little nugget in there. Cause I feel like Preston Smith's season is very much flying under the radar. And, you know, the, these coaches, when they get asked questions by us, you know, they, you know, depending on the question can be shorter, can be longer, but Rebovich was very, very happy to go on and on and on about Preston Smith and his, his leadership that he brings to this team. I love it. Yeah, I love the comment he made too during that presser where he talked about the out of bound, uh, out of bounds. You know, have never missed a tackle, right? And and being yes. able to, to use that to your advantage, it's absolutely huge. It's why it's so important for the center of that defense. You know, whether it's nose nose to three tech, middle linebacker, free safety, whoever's patrolling deep there in that cover three when you do play spinner out of quarters, it's it's just so important because you can. You can really use that boundary to your advantage. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I know Jennifer here in the chat before we let you go. She says, release the beast, Quadzilla. We're going to release him right here, Paul. John Deere Green. On a hot summer night, he rode Billy Bob Charlene. It doesn't get any better than that, Paul. I could watch it a thousand times. My man knew every word to Joe Diffie, and he wasn't reading a script. you got to love it. Um, can I share, I can I share one quick, can I share yeah. one quick AJ Dillon story from Sunday? Absolutely. Yeah, man. All right. So in, in the locker room after the game, cause prior to the season, and I probably talked about it on here, but his point of emphasis was lower pad level. And so I asked him about that. How you, how do you go about practicing that? And again, this was in training camp and he answered it and it led into the conversation of, 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. The emphasis for him this year is rather than trying to be perfect, which was his mindset last season, he's trying to be dominant. And that perfect mentality, I know for anyone out there who's you know, been on the football field or just sports in general on the court, you know, when you're out there and you're overthinking, you're not letting your practice to your natural abilities take over. That's sometimes when you can slow down. And I know Ben Sermons, the running back coach, has talked about that as well. That he just wants to see those natural abilities of AJ Dillon's take over. So anyway, I, I followed up with Dylan, I, you know, paraphrasing that question to him. I said, what led, what's led you to, you know, have this more dominant streak over the last month. And, you know, for him, it's been about mentality. And what he meant by that was one, just taking it day by day, you know, not worrying about what next week holds, not worrying about, you know, what that second contract might look like. And also, and here's the, the what I thought was a funny story. He goes, I've never worn eye black in my life, high school, college, NFL. But before the Lions game, he saw a TikTok video and it, racing horses, how they have the blinders on to block out the crowd, horses yeah. around him, blocks out everything around him. He said before the before that Lions game, took eye black, put it on just like blinders as his, oh, you know, wow. as his uh, metaphor for what he's trying to accomplish. Block it all out, focus on what's in front of you and attack and, you know, and attack what's ahead of you as well. So I just thought that that was a really cool story kind of bringing together where his point of emphasis was in the, in the, during summer, during training camp, and then just what he's doing now to find that mindset. And again, we're seeing that success from him on the football field. 
That's absolutely awesome. I, you know, some people probably roll their eyes when you hear that. I love that type of stuff. And whatever you mm-hmm. got to do to get juice, to get get in the right mindset to go out there. And I love what you said. Forget forget trying to be perfect. Let's be mm-hmm. dominant. And and if that's the type of back he is. I mean, he here of lately, I love watching him run. You know, he didn't do anything just out of this world last week, right? But mm-hmm. what I noticed was every inch that was on that field, he took it. He got it. He was able to get every bit of it there. He didn't leave anything on the field, and he's been a pleasant surprise in the uh, in the passing game as well. Really, just cranking it up mm-hmm. there. That's something that you could tell he's worked on. So, uh, right here, guys, I'm, I'm going to highlight a comment real quick if I can find it. Bang! Right there, really cool article that Paul wrote. Make sure you go check it out. Here's a screenshot to the tweet he sent out for it too. Um, just talking about the versatility uh, there that was embedded within the skill sets of the Packers skill position players that they saw on full display against the Chiefs. Awesome article. Make sure you go, you guys go check that out over at Packers Wire. Paul, we can't thank you enough, buddy. It's always a blast talking ball with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Clayton. Always enjoy it as well. Yeah, have a great night, bub. Stay warm. You too. That was Paul Brettel, the great Paul Brettel. Um, always good stuff there. I mean, I, I love some of the things he said there. You know, first of all, about Preston Smith's leadership. Um, just the, you could just tell the guys look up the Preston Smith. And what's cool is if you were to look at the PFF grades, I've actually got, I'll pull up the nickel defense here real quick. If you look at Preston Smith, 71.2, he's grading out as the 44th best edge defender in the league, which is phenomenal. I mean, I mean, you're talking about that's, that is starting quality. Anything above 64, you're grading out as a starter, right, opposite Rashawn Gary. And I think that many times we overlook the fact that the reason Rashawn Gary, one of the reasons Rashawn Gary is having so much success is because Preston Smith uh, just kind of provides that 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 two in the one-two punch, if you will, of Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. And it's really cool to see LVN rotate in and out as well because when you've got a stable of three pass rushers, just like we've seen with the Smith brothers when they drafted Gary – um, you know, it's it's something that it's going to keep people fresh. And I, and I know people, you know, Packer fans, they they don't like to uh, acknowledge the fact that there's such a heavy rotation in the edge room on Sundays. But, man, when you think about it, somebody sitting over there on, a, on the on the bench for just a second, getting a breather, getting some oxygen, getting some water. And uh, that offensive lineman's having to work and work and work. And you got Preston Smith and LVN leaning against them. And then all of a sudden here comes Gary and bang, hit him in the mouth. Um, just absolutely awesome what he said about Preston Smith's leadership, though. I, I hope he's around for years to come. We now bring in Tim live in Green Bay. Tim, everybody's talking about you got a heat wave up there this evening, man. Is it is it pretty nice in Green Bay tonight? Yeah, pretty mild, man. It's uh, almost like spring kind of weather out of nowhere. You know, just in time for a little rain-snow mix this weekend and, you know, 30s and 20s. So <laughs> typical Wisconsin. Nothing, uh, nothing new over here. <laughs> the only thing that uh, – what is it? The only thing that stays the same is everything changes constantly. That's right. <laughs> so right. You got to love it, man. What'd you think of the interview with Paul? I don't know how much you got to hear there, but man, he was just, he was on fire tonight. Even with my bad connection here, uh, linking up with him, dude, he just straight to the point, just does a phenomenal job covering the Packers, dude. What a blessing it is to have him to, to read his writing. What'd you think of what he had to say, man? Yeah, I like the story there at the end about A.J. Dillon you know, with the eye black and, you know, yeah, whatever you got to do, man, to get it, get in the zone, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, changing your mentality can, uh, you know, work wonders and not just in football, but in anything, you know, anything in life really. Um, And we see it, you know, we talk about pad level. We talked about that during uh, training camp and Paul's right. That was a point of emphasis, but that's more of like a, you know, technical attribute of your, your skill set or things you need to do as a running back in the NFL. 
you know, changing your mindset from trying to be perfect to just being dominant. That's, that's the kind of shift you want to have, you know, and, and we're seeing it. Um, you know, I, I believe we're going to get at least one of those performances out of AJ Dillon before it's all said and done. You know, I think we're going to see over a hundred yards on the ground, maybe a tutter or two type of game. And, uh, you know, he's also proven to be an asset catching the football in the passing game too. So, uh, you know, shout out to AJ Dillon, man, because he's really been a rock for this Packers offense. And um, Paul Brettel hit it right on the head. You know, you don't have success in the play action passing game without some sort of a run game. That defense has got to believe you're you're capable and willing to run the ball. And AJ Dillon, you know, has certainly been a constant in this offense so far, as especially as of late. So uh, really happy with his production. Definitely. And, uh, it's cool to see him cut loose, do a little farming too after a big dove. You know what I'm saying? That uh, that corn that corn farms a little bit easier after you get a big win against the defending Super Bowl champs. That's for sure. Zane Strong in the chat said, "Is it possible that Watson plays this game?" Let's kind of dive into that, Zane. I'm glad you asked, man. Looks like you've been reading the show notes here. Um, so here's what we've got. Um, obviously, limited information. I'm gonna try to pull up the the actual injury report here in a second while Tim says something smart. But um, Ryan Wood tweeted out. Christian Watson indicated it's unlikely he'll be able to play Monday night versus the Giants. Made it clear he wants to be on the field as quickly as possible, but the hamstring will likely need more time. And, you know, immediately people go, he's soft, he's fragile, he's made all this BS that people say on Twitter, right, the tough guys. Ryan Wood went on to say in that tweet, or maybe he quote tweeted that tweet, he said, Christian Watson says he spent, quote, tens of thousands of dollars consulting medical experts on injury prevention. General consensus, he says, is strengthening his back so his hamstring doesn't overcompensate. He's hopeful more well-balanced distribution will avoid reoccurring injuries. So the people that pretend like there's nothing he's doing, he's not doing his part, he's whatever, whatever BS excuse you want to come up with, he's spending tens of thousands of his own money to try to do everything he can to maximize the amount of time he's on the field to prevent these hamstring injuries. I just thought that was really cool right there, that little bit uh, that Ryan Wood brought to the table. And then another tweet that went out from Rob Demoss, he said, Packers wide receiver Christian Watson said he does not believe this hamstring injury is as severe as the one that kept him out for the first three games of the season. But he doesn't know if playing Monday night against the Giants is doable. So if you take – Christian's own words, granted, it may be him being the competitor that he, that he is and wanting to be on the team, be on the field with his teammates. It, he may be, you know, thinking a little too positive right here. But if you were to take his words as gospel, I think one to three games is probably a pretty fair um, assumption or prediction on how long he may be out. So I, I don't want him to march out there on Monday Night Football. Listen. If we can't beat the Giants, and and, and I, I know any given Sunday there's no slam dunk win in no way, shape, or form am I saying we're going to boat race the Giants. If they could come out and surprise us bigger than anything. But if there was a game that I'd say, look, let's let that thing heal up, it's probably that Giants game. Because the last thing we want to happen is march him out there, hurt it, injure him for the year, us get the win, go into the playoffs without our number one wide receiver, at least our number one kind of deep threat jump ball 6'4 receiver. Uh, Tim, what do you think about Christian Watson, though, there, man? Um Probably not a probably not going on Monday, right? No, and I think it's probably a smart smart decision, kind of like what we're doing here, you know, with Aaron Jones off and on since you know the original hamstring issue that he had, and then now this new uh, knee issue. You know, you you've got time here, and 
it's easier to make a, a decision like this. See Jake Chavink reading my mind right here. You know, just want Watson to be ready for Vikings and the Bears. There you go. That that's that's it right there in a nutshell. And you know what? It's easier to to say that. Like, go ahead and let them let them do this. Let them do the back uh, strengthening exercises. Uh, the, the whatever this program that he's going to get on here now that uh, he spent his own hard earned money there to to figure it out, which is great. Um, let him do that. That takes time, right? Heal up and strengthen, strengthen what you got to strengthen and then come back for, for Vikings and bears, because it, I feel better making that decision, knowing that we have Dontavian Wicks, we have Malik Heath, we have Jaden Reed, we have Romeo Dobbs, we have pass catching tight ends, we have pass catching running backs. Um, I think we're going to be okay against the Giants. And that's uh, you know, taking into consideration your point too, Clayton, because you're right. This this game, um, you know, I'm not gonna say makes me nervous, but it's one that I really hope they don't they don't sleep on. You're you you can't just think you're gonna walk walk in here and waltz out with a win. Uh everyone's gotta gotta execute. But um, you know, with Scoop Man being down, I think uh we've got the personnel to step up uh in a pinch. You know, you know, Paul hit hit it on the head too. He talked about the versatility of this offense. Yeah. It's time to see it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, Jennifer Wright says, I love Scoot since I watched his college tape. I feel horrible for him. Same thing here, man, because you can tell when he's on the field, watching him celebrate for his teammates too while he's on the field, while they're scoring a tutter, even when he was at his lowest point this year, you can tell a lot about a player with the joy that they show in their teammates succeeding even when they're in a slump. Just says so much about his character. There's no doubt about that. Um, let's see here. Carly Ray in the chat says, my take on Watson, I am not so sure. He is being super careful with what he says. Maybe doesn't want to give anything away like earlier. <laughs> Completely makes sense for sure, Carly. Um, again, it, it, it definitely isn't worth it to try to read into what they say, but I just can't help myself, Tim. I'm I'm in love with this football team, and I, I want every little bit of information I can find. There's no doubt about that. Um, this right here, I, I completely agree, Paul. Yeah. Watson's so damn fast, his legs can't handle his motor. It's so true. It's so true because when you think about the torque, the amount of pressure you're putting on those joints, and the, I think of the offensive linemen all the time too, like all that weight and, and another guy that size. You know, you're talking about six over 600 pounds hitting at the same exact time in the same two feet of space, right? and the, the amount of torque on the joints and everything. When you talk about a receiver like Watson and the amount of stress he puts on his hamstring, I mean, it's just a part of the game. It's going to happen, right? And that's why we got to be, as fans, we got to be much better. I know nobody in here does it, but we got to be way better at calling those other fans out when they when they start with the soft and the made-of-glass comments and all that stuff, knowing that they're sitting at the house on the couch with the Cheeto stains on their whitey tidies. You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> the, what it is. So um, let's do this. Let's get kind of a little update. On our boy Aaron Jones, this is another one that, that's a little bit, you know, we're kind of keeping our eye on. Rob Domofsky tweeted out, Aaron Jones, who has missed the last two games because of an MCL knee injury, has returned to practice. There was three did not participate, obviously, um, Christian Watson, Quay Walker, and Darnell Savage. Not sure what's up with Darnell Savage. Like I said, I'll pull the injury report here in just a second. All played last Sunday. Watson had the hamstring injury. Savage came out briefly and returned. So maybe that's more preventative than anything for Darnell because, Tim, man, we, we talked about it. Darnell had a heck of a game, man. Best game of the season. Um, if he uh, if he's going to come out and continue to play like that, man, I, I want to see him on the field. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know, and this you guys you got to remember, like these are human beings out there, right? So so looking at Savage here, this is a great example of like 
what it takes to just get back and then to come back and go and to go hard. And then, yeah, you you have a setback. I mean, right. it happens. I mean, it's, it, it's that difficult. It's that physically demanding of a game that it could take you weeks to get back for one Sunday, which could set you back another few weeks. And no team is immune to this. Uh, it comes in waves, it seems like, um, you know, and we as Packer fans, of course, we always we're going to take it to heart the most um, and, you know, and act like other teams aren't dealing with injuries, too. Right. Um, you know, that's just how it is. We care, about our, <laughs> we care about our guys, you know, first and foremost. So, um, yeah, man, I, again, though, I feel a little bit better than I did uh, prior to the season about our safety room. Um, even with the injuries and also with, uh, you know, the way Keyshawn Nixon's been playing in the slot and not us not having to think and entertain too much of the talk about maybe, you know, rolling one of our safeties down into that slot corner role, um, you know, to help Keyshawn out. I think Keyshawn's been handling his duties pretty well. And uh, I think there's some depth, um, you know, in the safety room, especially with Ant Johnson, once he cleans up some of these, uh, you know, rookie mistakes that he's been making, which I know is coming. And, um, you know, yeah, man, injuries are tough. I mean, we're, we're not immune. No team's immune. Absolutely. Carly Ray said we have to read into what they say. Um, they can't say anything straight out, LOL. Today, Matt asked a reporter if he wanted the whole game plan. <laughs> I love this new Matt LaFleur, bro. He said, well, you, you want me to lay out the whole game plan for you there, Hosscat? Is that what you're looking for? I love it, man. I love, I love angry Matt LaFleur for sure. Here's the injury report. Bang. All right. Jair Alexander, limited. Devondre Campbell, limited. Josiah DeGuara, full participation. Um, A.J. Dillon, limited. Rashawn Geary, limited. Elton Jenkins, limited. Aaron Jones, limited. Um, Keyshawn Nixon, full participation. Evidently had a little bit of a wrist injury there. Jonathan Owens, limited. Jaden Reed, limited with the chest. We all know he's going to play. Um, Darnell Sa- <coughs> Savage did not participate. Getting emotional over Savage. That's that pepper jack kicking me in the throat right now. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Darnell Savage has a chest injury. So uh, I think that did carry over, they said, from the game. So uh, he did not participate. I'm sure we'll get a better read on that. But if he's out again tomorrow, probably a good chance he might not be ready to go by Monday. But it is nice having that extra day to heal up too, Tim. But uh, uh, Eric Stokes, hamstring, full participation. Quay Walker, shoulder injury, did not participate. Christian Watson did not participate, obviously. Devontae White did not or was limited in participation. So if you took the did not participate and said, hey, these guys aren't playing. I'm not suggesting that's the case. I'm just saying, like, kind of worst-case scenario here <clears throat> for those guys. You would be missing Savage, Quay Walker, and Christian Watson. Um, you know, it sucks, but I think we can I think we can make do, you know. If Savage isn't in the lineup, these safeties have proven that they can be, ad- you know, adequate, right, um, and, and kind of hold down the fort while those starters are out. Christian Watson's going to hurt a lot, but at the same time, you're probably leaning on 12 a little bit more. Um, if you don't have Christian Watson out there, although you know me, March out 10, I'm all about it. But it was cool seeing the versatility, man, in this offense, Tim, which kind of leads me to this little graphic since we're on the point. Check this out. So this was from Packers.com. They're, uh, they're, the Packers Twitter account tweeted this out and said, with his score in week 13, Ben Sims joins Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft as the first rookie tight end trio in team history to each register a touchdown reception in a season. Per the Elias or Elias, maybe, Sports Bureau, the Packers are the first team in the Super Bowl era to have the have three rookie tight ends score a touchdown 
in in the same season there, their rookie season. That's pretty wild, man. You're talking about what 1965, Tim. Since 1965, the first team to have three rookie tight ends score a touchdown. That's wild, man. I love it. And you know, Tucker Craft and and Ben Sims are going to get a couple more before it's all said and done for sure. You know, um, Musgrave. It's you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, him being on IR. Um, but what a great season from from these guys contributing and uh, helping right the ship. Let's be honest. You know, it was looking pretty bleak there. You know, you drop four games in a row, and uh, you know these guys, Sims included, and and Tucker Craft, very instrumental in uh, helping us turn things around for sure. Yeah, definitely. Stephen Smith in the chat says, in regards to these injuries, now we all must realize the damn weather in these outdoor games. Get well. They're another game next week, and we still got box bockings and bears yet. Yeah, you know, I just want to absolutely boat race the bears in that last week of the season. That's why I'm thinking about going to that game. I just want to see them. I mean, absolutely slaughter them. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm a little petty, Tim, but they talked so much crap in the off season. So if you guys are following me on Twitter, I've kind of I'm usually the nice guy. I went in pretty hard on the bears this week. The bears fans, I should say, but. They do um, still suck, so yeah, and they they do. It's true. I've actually got confirmation right here, if I believe so, Tim. Let me double check. <laughs> you do? Let me dig into the archives here just a bit. I think got it confirmed, huh? Yeah, yeah. Let's see if this was it. The Bears still suck. It's true. The Bears still you suck. Guys. It is what it is. Um, for those of you watching here on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the like button so other Packer fans can find this channel, find this content. We appreciate you guys spending this Thursday evening with us as the Patriots, believe it or not, are uh, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 7-3 to in the first quarter. Not sure how long that'll last, but there you go. Um, what is this right here? Doug says, Clayton, did you catch Big Cat from Barstool's TikTok rant? Like Eric said, it was epic. Holy cow. Now y'all going to make me dig. Is there a language? I need to know is there a language, Doug, because if there's language, it's got to be language, right? It's Big Cat, right, Tim? I mean, talk about, like, arguing. Did you watch my, it, Tim? He's probably my least – I don't know if I who I don't like more, Big Cat or Taylor Swift. I'm trying to trying to figure it out. I'm not, not a, I'm not a big, big cat fan there. No, I'm, I miss that one. Well, Doug in the chat says, Big Cat went off on the Packers getting Jay Love – um, we might want I think I'm going to dig in and see if I can find that as we're hitting some other topics here. I think that's something that needs to happen because, again, like I said, man, there's nothing like watching. It'd be different if they kept their mouth shut. That's why it was so easy on the lines forever because their fans were just like it was pitiful. They were beaten down for what well, seemed like 173 years. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, now all of a sudden they got the team are getting loud. I'm like, OK, you guys want to be fair game now, too. I got you. Here we go. Let's uh, <laughs> step into the ring here. Let's talk about pressures for a second. Um, this is a cool thing that uh, that PFF Green Bay Packers tweeted out at PFF underscore Packers. Most quarterback pa- quarterback pressures this season on the Packers roster. Rashawn Gary, 41. Kenny Clark, 41. Devontae Wyatt, 30. Preston Smith, 30. Carl Brooks, 19. Pretty good numbers there, especially considering how uh, how many snaps uh, they've kept Rashawn Gary out of the lineup both early and here of late. You know, we, we pointed out these kind of a little bit heavier rotation there a couple weeks ago. Pretty cool stuff here from the uh, pass rush unit. And I'm telling you, Tim, it played right into our hands with how the Chiefs just refused to stick with the run, you know. Um, thank God they chose to do that. And it's something they're going to continue to do. That's how their offense has already, always operated. I remember last year Greg Cosell talking about it on a podcast, saying uh, 
you know, people are just going to play the Chiefs, you know, play them to stop the pass because they're not going to commit to the run. It's just something they're not going to do. And it's how can you knock them? It's worked, but it caught up with them there uh, Sunday night in Green Bay, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's why it's so important to shift gears here because, you know, like Paul was talking about, you know, the Giants are going to try and run the ball. I mean, you know, they got Saquon Barkley. They're 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 going to they're going to try and run on us. And uh, it's important, like Paul said, to, to put them in situations where they need to pass so we can, uh, you know, tee off on them with our secondary, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say, uh, you know, maybe use this as a game to rest multiple guys, maybe give guys, you know. You know, we talk about Preston Smith and his, you know, veteran status. You know, maybe this is an LVN game and maybe uh, maybe we uh, see some of the younger guys get a little bit more action in this one. And uh, some of the older veterans maybe get a bit of a rest. Um, But what the heck do I know? Right. I'm just uh, (laughs) just watching here from the comfort of home. I I don't know. But, um, yeah, man, it's going to be exciting to see this front continue to grow because, you know, we are very young, especially up front. So. Definitely. Paul Robertson in the chat says, 1A, he hates Taylor Swift. 1B, big cat. Much, I listen too much Taylor Swift. Um. Yeah, so I don't think Paul does either. Paul Paul hasn't bought an album in years. Hate's a strong word. I don't know about hate. Hate, hate is a strong word. You're right, man. Hate is a strong um, word. Highly annoyed? That That's a little, little better. I don't know. Yeah. I'm talking Jake- about big cat, not Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh, darn. Uh, JK in the chat says, one game at a time, Clayton. I love your enthusiasm, though. One game at a time. Don't tell me what to do, Jay. Who do you think you are? I am. You see that downstretch we had early in the year, bro? We need to celebrate a bit. We need some healing. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Now, I, I completely understand what you're saying there. It's just uh, the hate for the rivals is uh, – it's something that uh, it's never going to go away, never going to be minimized, at least uh, in my opinion. Now, you guys have heard me talk about, um, you know, positions on tier of importance, right? And on the defensive side of the ball, Tim, I know you've heard me say edge defender, right? Edge defender is top tier and interior defensive lineman. You need at least one good edge good edge defender, and you need that guy that can play a, a, a three to a five tech if you need him to, someone who can play nose in a pinch but mainly – create pressure on the interior of that defensive line as well as playing the run really well, right? Um, Tier two, I say middle linebacker and free safety, and people immediately go, you don't have corner as a tier? I really don't. I don't. Um, To me, it's, like I said, tier one edge, interior defensive lineman. Tier two is middle linebacker and free safety. And the thought process there is the majority of the time you're going to be playing some kind of of single high or at least a, a middle quarter deep zone with that free safety. And the reason I've always looked at it that way, and many other people have as well, is because your greatest asset on defense is the out-of-bounds, period, case closed. It's why our it's why our red zone defense has been so well, because when teams get down there in the red zone, they now have to worry about the back line becoming that defender as well. Well, um, one of the coaches today, uh, pass rush specialist Jason Rebrovich said, um, according to Wes Hockwitz there in the uh, in the presser, he said, quote, the surest tackler in America is the sideline. He's never missed one. I thought that was such a brilliant tweet, Tim, that the sideline has never missed a tackle. And that's why it's important if you build the strength of your defense right down the center of it. Ideally, it doesn't mean you pass up on an elite or a generational talent at another position. It's just you got to kind of build that nucleus right there in the middle of the field. Um, how do you feel about that? I thought that was a really cool uh, – 
cool quote from uh, Jason Rebervich. Uh. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the twelfth uh, defender, right? For sure. You know, yeah. the, and you 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 scheme guys to play that way. You know, you want guys to understand, and that's why knowing where you are, you know, positionally on the field is so important. You know, we talked about Keyshawn's, uh, you know, would be interception a few weeks ago, where you know he just didn't quite get the toes down, and you know sometimes you run out of real estate. Well, that's the same thing for those receivers. You know, that's why we talk about leverage and in, in different ways that you're going to play a man based on what route you think they're running or what what concept they're trying to to pull off on you. And yeah, I'll tell you the the sidelines are a, a great defender, and so is the back of the end zone when you're uh, in red zone defense, you know, sometimes you can flush a receiver back in a no man's land and he just runs out of room. Um, and it's just, you know, playing smart football really is what it is. Definitely. Steven Smith in the chat says, play smart. Just like you said, Tim, remember DeVito ain't too bad either. And the family will be close. Say hey, right here. You know what I'm saying? I love that. Absolutely love that celebration. I always root for the underdog. Not this Monday night though. No way, no how. Uh, Cheesehead Murph in the chat says, let's give kudos to Kenny Clark. Uh, we were talking tough on Kenny earlier in the season, and he has turned it around. He has the biggest turnaround too, Murph. He's gotten pressure on the quarterback all year, but that run defense is really starting to settle down, right? And that's what you're wanting to see out of, out of Kenny, especially with a player with that high of a cap hit. But you're exactly right, man. We were very hard on – I say we. I, say, I should say I. I was very hard on Kenny early in the year because it's like, man, that is a ton of cap room to be tied up in someone who's not playing the run that well, right? Yeah. Um, and and re the reason being is the thought process is you could split that cap up and get a really good pass rush, you know, a really good elite, not elite, but a really good pass rusher at the interior defensive line. And then in that other two down line and set in your nickel, have a really good run defender for less cap than going into one player, which we all know you're one injury away from use, losing that player, you know, for sometimes the season. But yeah, you're exactly right, Murph. Um, he has he's he is kind of reemerged as one of the leaders on this team on the field. He's always been one off it, but he has just been a force here lately. Remember Chalk Talk, Tim? Us watching him hitting that guard and that guard head banging all the way back, man. He yep. he wreaked havoc on Sunday night, dude. Yeah, Murph's absolutely right with this because um, you know, we talked about going into the year what Kenny was doing during <laughs> camp with the guys staying late and you know, working with these younger uh, defensive lineman. And, um, you know, it can be a daunting task when you're, you know, you've got your own career and trajectory and your own, your own job that you got to worry about too. And, you know, it can be a little bit of an adjustment when you're put into that leadership role and you're having to take on some of these other responsibilities. And, you know, there was some off the field stuff with Kenny too, you know, a lot of changes in his life personally, you know, we know the story of his father getting to, getting to see him play pro ball, you know, for the first time. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into what, you know, what the grind is of, of being an NFL defensive lineman. And uh, now, you know, Murph's right. He's turning it around. He's executing, you know, getting that hand up, batting those balls at the line, right? We're, we're seeing more effective play in the run game. Um, and, and like you said, Clayton, man, he's just uh, refusing to be blocked. You know, he's getting off the blocks. This That's something we talked about when we were watching film is that he was just getting blocked out of place. And it's like, Kenny's a big, strong dude, and uh, if he's if he's finishing plays and he's playing with that ferocity and he's playing with that intensity, this is what you see. You're going to see results. You're going to see the dip and rip. You're going to see the, you know, well, if I can't get around you, I'll just take you with me and we'll go meet at the quarterback. You know, I always love those when he's just, you know, shoving that guard or that tackle right into, uh, right into his own man. So, um, 
yeah, I think Kenny is uh, coming along really nicely. And again, this is great when you're making a playoff push here to close out your season. So, yeah, okay. absolutely. Eric Sutherland in the chat said, Murph, I had to apologize to every player this year. You sound like me, Eric. Um, been been rough on them all, that's for sure. Uh, SDN40 in the chat says, Vintage Giants made a living winning rings with strong defensive lines. They absolutely – you look around the league today, SDN, and defensive lines, you know, um, the, the the better teams, the best teams in the league, they've got a stout defensive line, man, that defensive front. You can't minimize it, especially uh, when you've got a combo of someone who can play a wide nine, someone who can play a four eye and, and force those ISO blocks like we've seen – Kenny and Gary do there a couple times on Chalk Talk. That was definitely one of the approaches they took in and getting pressure on Mahomes. It was absolutely awesome seeing them uh, get that much pressure on him for sure. Paul Robertson in the chat said, Giants have nothing to lose. It's a great point, Paul. Um, they're kind of playing with the house's money right now, right? And people say, oh, well, they're not playing to win. You know, they're playing for next year. Those players are playing to win. They're playing for their career, man. Um, the You know, the front office may take an approach like, okay, look, this this season's over. Let's let's let the young guys play. We're okay with losing, quote unquote, losing to get people experience and maybe a little bit better traffic. Those players aren't thinking like that, especially the guys on the one and two year deals, because we all know you can have two or three years left on a deal, and uh, and you're pretty much in a contract year the way that contracts are typically structured in the National yep. Football League. So, or if uh, you're a if you're a young rookie trying to earn your way into this right. league, can you imagine? Hey, uh, we want you to just kind of kind of tank so we can get a we can draft another guy to replace you next year you know like these guys are not they're not going to throttle down just because uh you know even if a team did want them to tank you know i i would go balls to the wall all the time right you gotta absolutely like you said man it's like yeah go out there and ruin your career and your next contract so we can get a better draft pick i promise you that player isn't going okay yeah sounds good sounds like a plan coach oh there you go yeah, that's how you get trade requests too, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Doubt about that. Either trade me or because I'm just going to keep coming out here every week making you look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Cheesehead Murph says Jonathan Owens is the one for me, and Keyshawn is too. Yeah, man. Um, there's there's a lot of players stepping up for sure that we were critical on early in the year. There's no doubt. Chris in the chat said I was busting Kenny's chops too damn much. Um, join the club, my friend. Join the club. And let's see here. SDN in the chat says, just can't let the Giants hang around. Simply get simple, get up early. That was the big difference with the Kansas City game, Tim. You know, we we had them chasing their tail the entire game. It's going to be absolutely huge up there in in the swamps of Jersey to do that as well. And like Doug says here, Wink Martindale always seems to dial up tough schemes. That's another thing, man. When you look at coordinator versus coordinator, look at the game that we played them last year, right? I feel like we scored a lot of points. If I remember correctly, I think we scored over 20 points. It was just there was a, a ton of busted coverage. I specifically remember that. That was one of the first chalk talks where I got very animated because people on Twitter were saying, look how soft they're playing. I'm going Savage blew a freaking coverage and his guys running butt naked through the trailer park. Has nothing to do with the play call. I specifically remember that. Um, and I also remember leaving Kentucky on the road from a Kentucky-South Carolina game. And I'm watching on the, on my phone. I was like, man, they seem to have this one in the bag. Like they're playing good. They look like a, you know, all right, we're, we're going to get this dub. And then we got out at a rest stop, kind of a, an overlook, took some pictures, just kind of enjoyed the scenery for a minute. Got back in the car and I went, what the heck happened? <laughs> what just happened here? It can happen in a blink. And that matchup you're looking at now is again is uh, Matt Lafleur versus Wink Martindale, right? Because you know I always 
I always say Matt LaFleur is the OC over Stenovich because, you know, Matt's got his hand all over this offense. He's a play caller, all that. So um, if you look in the most recent past, Matt LaFleur hasn't matched up well against Wink Martindale. So it's definitely something to to watch out for, although Matt seems to be on a little bit of a revenge tour here of lately. Uh, Tim, he's uh, he's kind of coming in taking no prisoners here here uh, in the in the past weeks. Yeah, I love it. We haven't seen Aw Shucks Matt LaFleur anymore. He's nowhere to be found. I love it. Yes. We got chip on his shoulder, Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Even when I saw I, I saw him by the facility a few weeks ago and I was like, hey coach. And he was like, What? <laughs> that was his <laughs> response. What? I'm busy. <laughs> you know, I love it, man. You know, like you gotta have some sort of an attitude, man, in this league if you want to find some success, you know. Being being buddy buddy with everyone all the time is not not the surefire way to get it done. You know, you got to have an edge to you. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see Matt LaFleur settling in here, you know, as a head coach now. He, now he's comfortable as a head coach for sure in this league. Yeah. Man, as we get ready to wrap up, Tim, we were out today running around in town after after Good Morning Lambo. We got out and did a little bit of shopping, and we went to Carabas for lunch. And we're sitting in the back corner in a booth, you know, eating our lunch. This, this old man walks up to me. He looks like he's probably in his 70s. He's got kind of this look on his eye. He walks up to me and he goes, he points his finger at me. And I'm going, I'm going to have to break this guy's hip. And he said, y'all snuck up on us. And I was like, what? And he was like, your team beat my team this this past week. And oh. I, he pointed at my jersey. He was pointing at my jersey saying, y'all snuck up on it. Or my, my shirt. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, so you're a Chiefs fan. Really cool dude, man. Probably <laughs> He said he'd been a fan since 1969, so it was just awesome to get to talk to him. So we leave there after getting way too full on on uh, Carabas bread and oil and all that good stuff. You know, the stuffed mushrooms are perfect. Yeah. We go over to Sam's Club, and I'm telling you, as soon as we go to walk out of Sam's Club, this old man walks by me. Guess what he does? He literally points at me. Dude, probably in his 60s, points at me, and, and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. He said, they better win Monday. I got money on it. And he walked off. <laughs> I was like, man, everybody wanting to talk about the Packers right now. It's funny how that happens when you win a few games, though, man. Yep. I, we, hey, we talked about this when they were down. We talked about watch the narrative switch. As soon as we, as soon as things start clicking and, and Jay Money puts things together, right, getting the ball out on time, right, trusting his reads, all the things we're seeing, you know, and lo and behold, here's here's the narrative switch, right? You know, <clears throat> yeah. Larry in the chat said Giants seem to be one of those teams we always struggle with physical run uh, run philosophy. Absolutely, um, it's something that's kind of embedded into that organization has been for a long time. Larry, it's a very good observation, buddy. Uh, Eric Sutherland said I had Chipotle for the first time today. Eric, what do you think about it, man? Because everybody talked to me like Chipotle was just a godsend, and uh, I'm telling you, man, I, I've been there like two or three times now. Every time, I'm not very hard to please when it comes to food either i'm i'm a i'm a fatty bro it is what it is but i haven't liked it unless of course they want to sponsor the show i love it i'm telling you <laughs> best i'm telling you right now um but i always feel like i'm cheating on taco bell when i go to chipotle you know what i'm saying <laughs> You're cheating on taco bell i seen it i seen a meme one time it said um some of y'all forgot like taco bell didn't used to feed y'all for three dollars over there hanging out at chipotle <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Used Very to though, true. right? Not anymore. Right. Yeah. I, I bet you the price is pretty pretty close. I mean, it can't be that different at this point, right? With the the way things are. Right. Absolutely. SD in the chat said, "Keep a bathroom nearby. Chipotle comes and then it goes." Huh? <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? 
Um, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, Paul Robertson said, if Clayton keeps eating all of this, he's going to blow up like Mark Towser. Man, I'm telling you right now, boys, I have packed on the weight since doing this podcast. And I blame each and every damn one of you. It's your fault. Okay? I'm just packing it on for winter, man. It's just, you know, winter time. It's getting cold. I'm telling you, I'm getting old, Tim. I got to get rid of it quick. Carly Ray says, anyone remember who shared the Sports Illustrated article about Packers being the luckiest team in the league? Yeah, Carly was mentioning that earlier in the chat. Um we need to find it, Carly. Someone shared it earlier. I can't remember who it was. Who was it that shared that earlier today? Because um, I know she's got the article. I can't remember who it was, Carly. But, uh, yeah. All right, let's get out of here, Paul or uh, Tim. Uh, let's see. What Whoever the heck it is, right? Yeah, somebody here. I <laughs> Paul said something there. No, that, okay, that was a Mark Towser comment. Um, parting thoughts, Tim, as we get ready to get out of here, buddy. Um, you know, I'm excited. Monday Night Football is always a treat. Um, you know, for sure. And, you know, third primetime kind of game here in a row, right? You know, big, big Thanksgiving day game. You got Sunday night football now, you know, onto the road for a game against a, um, you know, like, like we all pretty much agree on a team we can't take for granted. Really any of these last few games here, we can't take for granted. So uh, just hope the boys are focused and ready to roll and, um, you know, look for some of our uh, depth here to step up in this game. I'm watching the depth chart you know, with a, with a magnifying glass right now, really see who's going to be inserted into some of these roles and uh, asked to contribute on Monday night. So looking forward to seeing some of the uh, young guys show up and show out. This could be a, uh, you know, if we've got no scoot, this could be a Malik Heath, uh, Tay Wicks, you know, Jaden Reed kind of show. So uh, it'll be fun. Definitely. Definitely. David Carlson in the chat said, I've been a Packers fan since 1966. Go Pack Go. Hey, we appreciate you, uh, Holding that banner up for us during the dark years there, man, in the 70s and 80s there, David. We appreciate you being a fan, man. Um, it's people like you that kept this thing going when we weren't even a, a twinkle in our papa's eyes, they say, right? Carly Ray says, I want to give credit because I, I want to talk about it tomorrow morning. Thought about on Good Morning Lambo about the SI article. Yeah, if anybody knows, uh, put in the chat or comment or just uh, hit Carly up on Twitter with uh, who who it was so we can give them credit. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to that, talking about that too, Carly. Dead Fish in the chat said the Giants are at negative 133 in points differential, 31st in the league. Holy cow. One point ahead of the commanders. Not that that means a lot. Just beat the Giants. Yeah. I, I don't even want to know that stat, Dead Fish, but makes me – I can't lie. It does make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> but as soon as you start thinking about stuff like that, though, you know what happens. Yeah. Uh, Carly Ray says, awesome, uh, Murph. Better get up for Good Morning Lambo tomorrow. Everybody be up and ready. It's going to be a good one for sure. Thank Carly. It's pretty much confirmed she's going to join us for that, Tim. So we'll uh, we'll get up and talk a little ball with a cup of Joe, a little diesel tomorrow morning. Really appreciate everybody hanging out in the chat with us. want to give a special thanks to uh, Paul Brettle for taking time out of his busy schedule to hop on here and deal with my nonsense, but always good information from him. Tim, thank you for your time, buddy. Uh, oh, I want to give a special thanks again to Chris Hand for the super chat, man. We really appreciate you supporting the stream. And for those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. We really appreciate it. Again, want to mention one more time here before we give this autographed jersey away from last week's contest. XA Drew, we still haven't heard from. CL Freeman, we still haven't heard from. If we don't hear from him, we're going to give it to Jeff Z because I got criticized for not pronouncing his name correctly earlier by Mr. Jim Tyson, which I used to pronounce his name wrong, too. You guys are catching on to a theme here. Um, you hear the accent. You shouldn't expect me to 
pronounce anything correctly. All right. So but, they've got till uh, tomorrow, right? Yeah. If we don't Friday. hear from them, if we don't hear from them by, um, I'd say by Good Morning Lambo tomorrow, um, we'll just go ahead and, and get that mailed out to Jeff. So I think that'd be the best thing to do. And keep in awesome. mind for anyone who's a YouTube member, right? You can join our YouTube group. Um, we're going to be giving away an autographed Robert Brooks jersey um, this coming Monday night during the post game show. Um, somewhere around 2 or 3 a.m., I'm sure, Tim. It's going to be a late one, but it's going to be a late one. That's all right. We'll plan around it, man. So, with that being said, guys, we're out of here. Appreciate y'all hanging out with us. Uh, for those of you, like I said, listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go back up. The power sweep. Actually, it's the, it's the lead play in our, in our offense.